0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Not So Grateful Dead podcast. It is your host, Grayson Decker, back at it again with another Wednesday episode. Today is a part two. So if you did not listen to the true crime episode that was on Sunday, not the creepypasta episode, the Ed Kemper part one episode, go listen to that one and then come back to this one. And then you can go listen to episode four of Spooky Week. Excuse my dogs. Sorry. I think that's about it. Make sure you listen to the Spooky Week. I hope you're enjoying it so far. This is part two, like I said. So let's finish this case. So we left off on Sunday with Ed Kemper killing his mother, Cornell, and her best friend, Sally. And this was before he fled the scene and drove for 28 hours straight in one direction, stopping in Pueblo, Colorado. Once Ed made it to Colorado and he had realized that he hadn't heard any news about the murders on the radio in his 28-hour drive, he decides to use a payphone to call the authorities to confess about killing his mother and her best friend. And not only that he had killed them, but he was also the co-ed killer. Initially, when Ed Kemper called to confess on April 24th, 1973, the authorities did not believe him. They quite frankly thought that Ed was pulling a prank on them. So they told him to call them back later. And as we talked about on Sunday, the authorities really enjoyed Ed and they just really did not think that this man was capable of something like this at all. But as we know, he most certainly is. Most certainly. When Ed called back a few hours later to confess again, the authorities took him seriously this time, and they immediately began their long trek from Colorado. I mean, sorry. California to Colorado. Simultaneously, authorities that were back in California made their way to the home of Clarnell Kemper. And when they first arrived, they did this casing of the neighborhood, and some neighbors reported a kind of bad smell coming from the home, but the outside of the home didn't really look like anything was wrong, so it was just kind of ignored. But this was essentially Ed's master plan. He wanted the outside people to come come to this conclusion that his mother and her friend had just left and gone on some sort of road trip. Inside of the home, immediately authorities knew that Ed's claims had been true. They smelt the smell that they knew all too well, the smell of death. The home really wasn't in disarray or anything like that, But once the investigators reached Clarnell's bedroom, they decided to move the bed off of the wall. Gonna give you a little trigger warning if you're not into talking about blood. I would skip over probably like 30 seconds. Just a heads up. Once the bed was moved, there was a gruesome scene that Ed had left behind. Investigators uncovered that there was blood from the pillow area of the mattress running all the way down the wall, and then it was pulled on the ground. So there was a fuck ton of blood, to say the least. Now, get this in this pool of blood, investigators find this note, and this note was from none other than Ed Kemper himself, of course. This note read, Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. Got things to do. Approximately 5.15am Saturday. No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this, quotations, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, no pain the way I wanted it. This note, to me, is just wild. just wild. It shows, one, Ed was close with the authorities, calling them gents and essentially apologizing for this messy crime scene that he had left behind. And two, just how emotionless he was about it all. I don't know, it just seemed quite blunt, and brutal. Just overall pretty emotionless to me. After this note, authorities continued their investigation and continued to gather evidence. This is when investigators come across some shoeboxes that were located in Clarnell's closet. And inside of these shoe boxes were Ed Kemper's mother's dismembered body parts. Initially, investigators thought that his mother had been the only victim or that Sally, his mother's best friend, Her body, like, had been somewhere else. Eventually, however, investigators do sadly locate the deceased body of Sally in the front coat closet in the home. Authorities also located more incriminating evidence against Ed Kemper, specifically evidence that would tie Ed to the co-ed killings. Evidence found pointing to Ed being the co-ed killer included ID cards, clothing, and other miscellaneous items that belonged to his victims. This solidified to authorities that Ed Kemper was the co-ed killer, killing the student hitchhikers. Authorities eventually make it to Pueblo, Colorado, and they arrest Ed Kemper and make the long trek back to California once Ed was in California and in custody, he just began talking. He was interviewed for roughly five to six hours and he described all of these murders in grave detail. On May 7th, 1993, Ed Kemper was indicted on eight counts of first degree murder. Ed was then assigned the chief public defender, Jim Jackson, and Jim Jackson really kind of had this losing battle from the start. Ed had confessed to all of these murders and in very grave detail like we talked about even showing authorities where he had disposed of some of the remains so just overall very incriminating evidence jim jackson's only choice was to plead not guilty by reason of insanity obviously this insanity plea does not go as planned and ed kemper was proven to be legally sane which i feel like we all could have guessed this man was so intelligent, or is so intelligent, this wasn't just proven by one psychiatrist either, but three. So, obviously, this man was sane, and he knew exactly what he was doing, and that it was wrong. Dr. Joel Fort, who interviewed Ed on a number of different occasions, actually used what is called a truth serum on Ed, and the scientific name for this is sodium amytal. and Fort determined from this that Ed was sane, and he knew what he was doing, also stating that Ed almost seemed prideful of his murders. November 8, 1973, the jury that was made up of six females and six males deliberated for five hours before they gave the verdict of guilty on all counts. Once the verdict was announced, Ed asked for the death penalty, specifically requesting death by torture. There was a moratorium placed on capital punishment at the time, so Ed, instead of the death penalty, received seven years to life for each of the eight counts of first-degree murder. Ed Kemper is still incarcerated at the California Medical Facility, and Ed used to be known to walk around the general population wing of the prison, and he was seen as the ideal prisoner. Sorry, my voice is, like, going in and out he also during this time scheduled other inmates appointments oh my god sorry it's like slowly just deteriorating he found a talent for making ceramic cups and he also recorded over 5,000 hours of audiobooks and there are several hundred recordings of these however in 2015 ed had a stroke that deemed him medically disabled So, these activities kind of came to a stop. Ed Kemper will be next eligible for parole in 2024. And that is the case of Ed Kemper. Thank you so much for listening. I enjoyed sharing this case. I also hated it. He was such a brutal person. I mean, he's still alive. But what he did was very just disturbing and fucked up. Oh my god, fucked up. (laughs) Shit. I, my voice is saying no, so, all right, let's, let's get to the outro. All right, everyone, so that brings our Wednesday part two case to a close. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, he was very, why do I keep saying was? He is definitely still alive, but I digress. His crimes, were very brutal, and terrible, and horrendous, and heinous, and disgusting, and all of the things, uh, but psychology-wise, this case is very interesting, and I do believe, like I have said, that his background directly correlates with how he turned out as a person, and I think that's honestly quite sad, just kind of set up for failure. If that makes sense. But I think that's about it. I'm gonna give you my socials and then I'm gonna let you go. My email is the not so at gmail.com. My website is not so My Instagram is the not so underscore podcast. My TikTok, the not so grateful dead pod. And my Facebook is Not So Grateful Dead podcast with Grayson Decker. Make sure you go like and comment on the spooky week announcement post so that you can be entered for the spooky basket. And I think that's about it. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day and I hope you enjoy the rest of the spooky week. I will see you back on Wednesday for a true crime case. We will be back on our normally scheduled episodes. All right. Bye-bye.